for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is December 21st, 2021, and today's guest is Brendan Graff from Missouri, and we're going to be talking about the crazy fall that he had this year. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 193. And before we get into this, I do want to take a little bit of time, not a ton, uh, just talking about some housekeeping things here real quick. So uh, I last week, I talked about some new partners coming on for this year. Those are going to be kicking in here right at the first of the year, so uh just preempting you guys for that, but uh, Novix will be on board, and so is Helix Broadheads. So, to, but to wrap up, you know, 2021, I want to talk about Exodus, Exodus Trail Cams. You know, we're coming up on Christmas. They got a couple days. There's a possibility that you might be able to get one or hold your spot for one for Christmas. Um, but uh, go to ExodusOutdoorGear.com and check those out. Uh, they're awesome cameras. That's literally, that's all I can say about is I've never had an issue with them. I said it last week. I, I haven't, you know, it, it, maybe I, I don't know. I just, they've been out, uh, since midsummer, haven't yet changed the batteries on them. Still running like crazy, but I, I don't have any issues with them. So go check those out. Uh, they're great cameras. They really are. Also, I want to talk to you about Hunter's Box Club. So in a nutshell, if you've never heard of Hunter's Box Club, basically what it is, it's a monthly delivery of quality t-shirts and gear. So it's $20 a month. You get a box every month. You get a t-shirt. Uh, you get a, a bonus, one to three bonus gift items in that box. 
Uh, the t-shirts are printed here in the U S so that's awesome. Um, it, it's a really cool system. Uh, I know my wife does it with some women's clothes. I can't even remember the name of it, but it's not hunting related, but this is pretty cool. So with Hunter's Box Club, I'm doing a t-shirt in January for Hunter's Box Club. And uh, it's really cool. But if, if you go to huntersboxclub.com and scroll down, you can sign up for your box. It's three easy steps. Put in your name, your email, your phone number, and you get a shirt and you get one to three smaller items in that box every month. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just go to huntersboxclub.com and check those out. Like I said, we're doing a fall shirt uh, for the month of January. So sign up for it and you'll get a fall shirt. So talking about merch and shirts, everything's shipping out today. So if you made an order with the fall, uh, everything's shipping out today, Tuesday, as we're talking right now. So you're going to be hopefully getting your shirt or your hoodie or shirt or both before Christmas. If not, I apologize. I have had a couple more orders come in the last week and I, I apologize for the shipping just because it's the nature of what I'm going through right now. Other than, you know, I, I don't want a website right now. I don't want to have to have a ton of inventory, but that's the nature of a pre-order. You know, we get a pre-order, you pay me, I get everything ordered. It comes out. So it's a little later, but what going into 2022, I'm going to start holding some inventory, not a ton, but some. So if you guys do want some stuff, maybe I'll have it on hand. If not, we'll just run it like we normally do. Uh, we're going to keep the designs that I have. So if you go to Instagram or Facebook, you can check out those designs and how to order them. Uh, you can DM me, but usually I'm doing it through Venmo. If you don't have Venmo, we can do PayPal. So if you guys want some stuff, I mean, hit me up whenever. Just treat it as like it's a website, basically. Um, we can get it ordered. So yeah, that's kind of the housekeeping stuff. Um, but uh, today's podcast is going to be a good one. It's with Missouri native Brendan Graff. Had one hell of a season. Had a crazy season, to be honest with you. He killed a seven and a half year old buck in Missouri, and it's a freak. Um, it's pretty cool, but I don't want to say too much about it. So, lastly, I just want to say thank you for all the downloads and all the support. Go to iTunes, leave that five star rating, and leave a written review. I see a lot of people doing it, um, and I appreciate it. So, with that being said, let's get over this interview with Brandon, and uh, we're going to get right into it. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. Today's guest is Brendan Graff. Brendan, thanks for coming on, man. I wanted to call you Brennan, like, <laughs> like from Step Brothers. Step Brothers, <laughs> yeah, Dragon. There you, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. There you go. I like that. Yeah. You know, I I was reading your name, and I'm like, man, like I told you earlier, I got a buddy. His name is Brandon. Spells it like you, so I didn't know if it was Brennan. Brendan, Brandon, or, you know, I, I didn't know. So I was going to just go with Brennan and just hope it was right. <laughs> yeah, I go by all of them. That's all right. Good deal, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, I guess you've got, I don't know your story at all. And for good reason, because I, I want to, I want first reaction here live on the air, if you will. And I'm excited to get in this because you killed a slammer of a deer and basically a lot of people would call it an old decrepit deer because he was pretty old, right? Oh yeah. Uh, after I got his teeth back, they said he was seven and a half. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, yeah, it is old. I mean, that is really old, actually, you know? Yeah, he looked like he was going downhill on the first game camera pictures I got of him, so I kind of figured he was older like that. You could just tell by his body he was an absolute bull. Sure. Know? Yep. That's cool, man. So before we get into this, who are you, where are you from, first of all, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Brennan Graff. I'm from southeast Missouri, a little town called Perryville. Grew up a little bit north of it in a smaller town called St. Mary. Uh, I'm a uh, shipping manager at a construction company, a uh, two-time college dropout, you know, got in college, dropped out, uh, dropped back in, then dropped back out. So Nothing wrong with that at all. (laughs) I mean, come on. Looks sounds like you're pretty successful, honestly. I mean, nowadays, you don't even need a degree to do, uh, I mean, a shitload of things. You know what I mean? I got seven-eighths of a degree. (laughs) I got like two classes left. I'm just... You don't need those. There you go. There you go. So, uh, so you're you're in a ship in the shipping department in a construction company. Is that what you said? Yes, sir. So, explain to me a, a little bit more about that. Is that like an industrial construction company? Like you doing, like uh, you know, big buildings, or is it commercial? Like how, what what is that? Uh, we do a little bit of everything. I mean, we do a lot of commercial hog barns. Uh, we ship a lot up to Iowa. That's where our main facility is at in Iowa, Gredinger, Iowa. And uh, we do a lot of residential stuff too. We specialize in like shop packages. So like shop houses and shop buildings. So we pre-make the buildings and we don't, we don't construct them, but we kind of, we make the trusses, the wall panels, the steel and get all your accessories and then uh, all scheduled trucks and get them shipped out to where they need to go. And I take everything in that comes in as far as inventory goes and, Mm -hmm kind of what we do so are you kind of like a morton building other than you guys don't put it together right yeah morton's one of the biggest competitors up there in okay iowa so yeah we're eps buildings i got you nice well it, dude those barnamon bar, how do you say them? barnamoniums i call them shomes the shop homes those yeah, things are huge yep. yeah there you go yeah. those things are huge yeah. and you know when we were going to build our house i was trying to swing my wife so much on a shome i just wanted to show them like i feel like you can you can get, I don't know what the best way to describe this is. I feel like you can get more bang for your buck as far as like bigger if you want or more. But she wanted yeah. a she wanted a basement, yeah. and you know that's kind of the deal with a showm. You don't really get a basement, so I'm like, okay, you know, she won that argument. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're cheaper, man. I mean, definitely all together. Whenever it's all said and done, yep. is that what you guys call them up there, showms? We call them showms. A- oh, well, in in oh. my little circle, we call them showms. I have a buddy that built two of them. He just kind of flips them, but uh, that's, you know, probably 10 years ago when he was doing that, he called them shomes, and that's, shit, that's what I call them. I can pronounce I've it. Never, <laughs> I've never heard that. We call them shouses. Shouses, okay. Yeah. Show I like shom, just shop home kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I like that better. There you go. Take that to Missouri and just say, hey, man, I, I did a podcast with a guy. He calls it a shome. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's what we're going to run with now. There you go. Well, so you're, you're from... Well, you live in southeast Missouri. You said you're from a town a little farther north than that? Yep, St. Mary. Okay, I got you. I got you. How's the deer hunting down in there? Uh, I'd say we got big deer. I think they're, I wouldn't say pressured, but we got a lot of hunters, you know, in the area. But, I mean, yeah, specific parts around here, there's big deer killed. I mean, there's big deer everywhere if you know how to find them. You know, that's the case anywhere. But, yeah, uh, I'd say it's pretty good. I got you. Are you more... Are you more of a private land guy, public land guy? Like to dabble in both? Like, what's your your style? 
Um, I've dabbled with public. I would not call myself a public land hunter. I had uh, permission on private ground before that got uh, bought by conservation and turned into public. So I've hunted that a little bit since I already knew the ins and outs of it, you know, and uh, I've hunted public for turkeys before, but mostly deer. I, I really like private, but I like hunting new pieces of private. Just the idea of figuring out almost like it's public, but without the hassle of running into other people. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So do you, do you kind of go in every year, like trying to get new permission pieces or is it just like, you know, you got a core set of different pieces of property that you just kind of hop around to? Um, it kind of just depends. Uh, growing up, we were friends with a lot of farmers. My dad knows a lot of people. So we never really owned good ground ourselves, but we had a lot of friends that let us hunt. And to this day, you know, I got 10, 15 different permission grounds around here I can go to, but there's always that, you know, idea of a new property that I like, you know, untouched or just a different challenge. So I, I do like building history with deer. Don't get me wrong. That's cool. And I think I like that better, but there's also, I think here lately, I'm more craving the idea of going to new places, figuring it out and finding a good buck like that. Yeah, that's, that's for That's badass for sure. History with a deer. I've done them both. You know what I mean? It's like, and it depends on like how much history is it two days of history? Is it two years of history? You know, my Michigan buck this year, I've had two years of history with them. And it was like, I'll tell you what, man, it's, it makes it, I don't, I think it makes it more sweet when it's that way, but I'll tell you, there's something to be said when you kill a buck that you have no idea who he is, no idea he was around there. And it's like, for me, it gets the wheels turned. It's like, man, where did this deer come from? Like, why was, hasn't he been here? Like, you know, what made him come here? Like, that's, what's cool about it to me. Um, uh, each deer will mean something different to somebody, you know, but I think that there's certain circumstances where you can build three years of history with the deer and kill them. Yeah. You might hunt one deer in three months harder than you hunted that deer in three years of history with them, you know? So it's yeah, like, for sure. It's kind of like this buck I shot this year. It wasn't years of history. It was a new piece of property, but okay. it's meant the most to me out of all my deer so far, yep. just because of how hard I hunted him and how much I obsessed over him, you know? Yeah. Oh, the obsession, man. I'll tell oh could get <laughs> that's like a three-hour podcast right there just about how much we as hunters obsess over deer and get emotionally attached it's it's almost sickening sometimes <laughs> yeah it is so down where you're hunting what type of terrain is it are we flat are we rolling a lot of timbers at farm ground like what is it i think you got a good mixture of everything down here really i mean you got pieces that are super you know ridgy rolling timber big hills stuff like that and then we also have a lot of agricultural fields you know a lot of farm ground and you're running to certain properties like the property i'm on this year uh it's flat man i mean there's not very much terrain to it at all to specifically funnel deer you know so it's kind of tough you can look at on x or something like that and kind of tell from an aerial standpoint what's going to funnel deer down you know with elevation finding pinches and funnels and stuff like that but this property it's kind of just flat so i mean we got a good mixture of everything i got you what would be your favorite like you know type of hunting is it farm country big woods like what would be your type between those two 
uh, big woods with farm country, but not too much farm country because you don't want too many destination food sources. Right. You know, and you, you can find your food sources depending on what time of the year. You know, early you're going to want your beans and acorns and stuff like that. And late you might want your cut beans and your grains, yep. you know, like your corn. But uh, I'd say big woods with just a little bit a little bit of ag around it so you have an idea of which direction those deer are going to move i got you what what would you say is the reasoning for liking big woods so much is it the element of just not really knowing what could be there or you know what what, what is that that you know is like draws you to the to the big woods yeah i like that i think i like not knowing what could be in there and i think that just knowing how many deer could be in there. And I think if you, I feel like you have a lot less room for error. You know, if you mess up a little specific spot, you'd be like, okay, well I can go to this other side of the property long way, way over a few ridges. And you know, it's not going to be, I can let that calm down over there. You know, just the being able to move around. I feel like Mm -hmm. if I feel like with wind also, you're probably going to be more likely to have your wind carried over flat, you know, rather than ridges and, stuff like that. So I think that you can hunt, you know, more of a ridgy hilly property more efficiently. I could see definitely see the benefits to to that. I I actually have you know, I've hunted both. I've had success in both. But I'll tell you, for some reason, I just like hunting farm country more, like wide open. It 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 can be more frustrating in a lot of ways in the sense of like you see oh, a deer yeah, do a one thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see a deer do a thing or do something and then you run out of options. Like you might not have a tree in there or you might have to get creative and like sit on the ground or something like that. But like, it's something that, uh, is, it's a burning fire in my belly. And honestly, I think it's because I grew up big woods hunting until about Uh 2015. And I've, you know, I still do the big woods thing, but like really kind of transitioned to farm country. But I think in a lot of ways it can be a little easier to dictate like we're because i mean they only can go so many places but uh i also like being able to see deer and learn from seeing a deer 300 yards away and just seeing what he's doing you know so that's why i kind of like gravitate a little bit more towards farm country right now that definitely makes sense i think that i i definitely like seeing deer too i just think i got to a point i don't know how many years ago i mean I haven't been doing this forever. I can't act like I'm a pro in it, but you know, I've been hunting hard for a while. I'm only 23. I think probably four or five years ago, I kind of got on the concept of, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wait for these deer. I'm going to go find them. So yep. I really got Get aggressive. the hunt aspect. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I think I, I do like observation sits, you know, maybe sitting on a field edge, seeing what they're doing and try to make a move according to that. But I mean, normally where I sit, you might not see anything or you might see your shooter, you know, and I think sometimes where, where I sit, you know, in real thick stuff, if you see any deer besides a mature buck, you're probably not going to see that buck. You know, it's like almost one of those deals you sit there and it's going to be your target deer or nothing. Yep. I, I love those sits too, but they can be grueling. Those can be like, you know, groundhogs day. Like you might not see a deer for three days, and then oh, yeah. you hear a twig snap, you look back, and there's a big steer in your life. Like, it right. can be yep. crazy roller coaster there of emotions. Now, I, I get that. So, you're adapting the, or adopting, not adapting, adopting the 
running gun, like hang and hunt model. Like what, uh, what type are you, are you, uh, uh, set stand guy? Like are you, I say set, set stand, are you a saddle guy or are you a tree stand guy? I should say. No, hang on. I got a lone wolf custom gear and uh lone wolf sticks. And I kind of just, I like to mobile like that, you know, pack it up in a backpack, scout my way in, find a tree set up. And I think I like that so much just because, you know, I grew up, you know, hunting my dad, he hunted a lot. He didn't hunt smart. You know, he hunted like those old guys hunt. They don't really know the wind aspect of it and stuff like that. You know, he was just kind of a throw some orange on and go hunt, but he did bow hunt a lot. And he just had these set stands and uh, it was fun. You know, we always seen a lot of deer, but I remember just being so impatient, you know, picking bark off the trees when I'm six, throwing it on the ground and kicking me, telling me to, you know, be quiet. And it's yep. just like, I, <laughs> I got to go and get them, man. If I don't see, a deer between that evening and that morning and a set i'm gonna have to pack down and go get something else unless i know a deer's using that area yeah and you learn so much that way you know you just get into and seeing different trees and seeing different terrain and you know you learn so much and it it can be a grind for sure because you're packing that shit in all the time i get it like i this is my third year doing it um kind of exclusively i i shouldn't say exclusively i do have some set stands that i like to do in the morning but, you know, it, it can be a grind for sure, but it is rewarding when you get it done. That is... You got to hang on or you saddle hunt? I'm hang on. Yep. Yep. I'm rolling a Novix. Um, Hilo is what I'm running. And I, you know, this year, I think this next coming year, I'm going to dabble into a saddle a little bit. Uh, I used to saddle hunt back in 2010 and 11, 12. And those two or three years right there, I saddled hunted before it was like, the next coming of Jesus, basically. <laughs> um, right. And the only reason why I did that is because I don't know if you know John Eberhart or the name John Eberhart. Um, he lives in my hometown. He's like the saddle god that's been hunting from a saddle since like the early 80s. Well, he lives in my hometown. And I bought a saddle from him, and he was kind of showing me the ropes. And I just, uh, you know, I, it was just different. You know, I was young. I, I was different. It wasn't something that you could go on and read a lot about and get some pointers on now and now they're like hammocks back then it was like you know it was just an uncomfortable diaper i'm not gonna lie to you like it just it wasn't that comfortable at the time um but i i can honestly say that it's just it's definitely a useful tool you know you can shed a lot of weight if you're going in deep and uh, i definitely think it's useful so yeah we'll definitely see. i kind of get the diaper feeling from it too i got a little cousin that saddle hunts and we did a couple you know sits together this year where i'd you know hang and then he'd come up in his saddle and he's sitting there dangling yep. and swinging around the tree it's like man i don't that looks like <laughs> you got a bad ball wedgie you know, like, oh, i don't it, think i want that but yeah i might yeah it, it takes some time to get used to i mean shoot the shoot out of it in the yard i don't think i did enough of it back in the day um i didn't i didn't kill a lot of deer out of it man honestly i was missing deer high hitting deer high and and it took a couple of those where I didn't find any deer where I was like, okay, I need to get back to knowing what or doing what I know what I'm doing or know what I'm used to basically. And I went back to a tree and never, a tree stand never looked back. So yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, man, let's get into this story. So you kill a, a, a slammer this year, uh, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows you did it now. So, uh, kind of start us from ground zero like when did you first see this deer or, or learn about this deer and and kind of take it from there and and i might cut you off and ask you some more questions but let's let's kick it off what, what's the story uh so 
this is a brand new piece of property. I mean, it was new to me this year. A guy I worked with, he had it, and uh, I knew somebody else that hunted it a couple of years prior to that, and he killed a pretty good buck. And uh, I'm pretty good buddies with that guy I worked with, so I asked him if I could turkey hunt it, and he was like, "Yeah, that's fine, man. You know, come out and turkey hunt it." And uh, went out there, killed a couple. I tagged out out there, so I mean, there's a lot of birds there, but just learning it from turkey hunting, I kind of seen the layout of the land and I always keep my eye open, you know, when I'm turkey hunting for, you know, just scouting and uh, a lot of rubs, real heavy trails. And just, I just kept thinking the predictability of the land there because the way it lays out is the east side of the property has a creek that runs straight up it. And on the east side of that creek is a big soybean field. I mean, I'm sure they crop rotated or whatever, but whenever I started hunting, it was soybeans. And then it's like a 70 acre square. And then it's almost a perfect square. The very west side of the property is the neighbors. Uh, and it's just, he said it used to be a hay field, but they let it grow up. So it's extremely thick for about 15 years. They let it grow up. You know how that gets. I mean, you can walk through it. You can walk through it if you wanted to. So just judging by that, then the north side of the property was a pasture field and the south side was where he lived. So, I mean, just eyeballing it, I can kind of tell the deer are probably going to move from the west side of this property over to the east side on those beans. I mean, it definitely didn't take a experienced guy to figure that out. But yep. we got we got to midsummer, uh, and I shot him a message. I said, hey, you got anybody deer hunting out there this year? I mean, if you'd want if you want some meat, I'll uh, come out there and try to kill some deer. And he was, you know, he talked to the other guys that he had a couple guys that rifle hunted out there. And, uh None of them really cared. So I uh, started going out there and I guess it'd be end of June. And I uh, brought a few cameras out there to start. And I already had some spots picked out from turkey season where I thought might be a good place to hang a yep. camera. Were you going to do cell cams or were you going to do just traditional trail no, cams? No, traditional cameras. I, uh, I've i actually only had one cell cam and it was a... Uh, Buy point uh, yep. cell link, yep. I guess is what it was. The micro link. Uh, yeah, it was yep. a it was a good camera for a couple of weeks, but then I started having problems with it, and I kind of took it down and been meaning to get it fixed. But I just I almost like the idea of going in and pulling my cards. I know it's intrusive, but it's just you know just the feeling of unknown. I like going out there to have to get for sure. my chip, I guess. And can can you? I know in a lot of counties in Missouri, you can't like supplemental feed or bait or anything like that. But can no, you do it? Do and you like can't that. do anything. Okay, so nope, what what are some of your tactics? I guess in the summer, other than the obvious of getting it on a bean field or an outside corner, like what are some of your tactics to get inventory and figure out what the hell's there? Uh, water was a big one, obviously. You know when it's hot, but that wasn't too hard to find because that creek ran all the way up the east side of the property. So, I mean, it ran right along the soybean field. So their food and water is right there together. Uh, this property has a pond right in the middle of it. And it's just, you know, looking at it on Onyx, you can kind of just see that why deer would congregate there. There's looking at Onyx there, you could see, you know, what's real mature timber normally. And you could see what looks thicker and patchier. And it, it just looked like there's a big thick patch, you know, half this property is so thick and it leads into this pond. So it's like, man, if I'm a deer and I want to stay hidden, I'm going to stay in that brush to go to this pond to get a drink, you know, in the evenings and then move on to this bean field. So, uh, I mean, water was a big one. And then just 
obvious places. I think that uh, there's a logging road that goes straight through the middle of this property and it sucks because it's such a hard property to hunt because it's so flat and this is like your only access point. I could access through that creek on the east side, but that's only if I want to hunt, you know, on on that side of the property. The whole other, you know, west side of the property was almost untouchable unless you wanted to just trudge through the woods loud as shit, you know. So uh, there's a logging road that goes up all the way to the north uh, end of the property and it cuts off and heads west. And where it cuts off at, there's a big mud puddle there. And I just seen their tracks stomped in that thing. So I kind of figured, you know, my dad always told me growing up that deer like the path of least resistance too. You know, if you mow a path, there's a lot of time they'll use it. And uh, these woods, they don't really bother the deer the property owners don't you know they don't go up there every day they're hardly ever in there so i figured i'd just hang a hang a camera on that logging road so that's on the north side of the property and that camera was facing south and then i went over to a, a heavy creek crossing and when i whenever i went over there there's tons of older oaks and everything and uh i seen some big wide oaks so i knew they'd be dropping acorns so i uh i hung a camera up over in there and kind of just let those two cameras soak for a little bit. So you, what time, when did you put these out? Do you say June or July? Yeah. Early July. Okay. Early July. So how long did you let them marinate? Cause I, I, if you're anything like me, I'm putting cameras out and I'm chomping at the bit. I'm it's like two days in and I'm like, I got to go check them. <laughs> so yeah, how long did like you wait? Too. Uh, I mean, honestly, the first one, I was pretty busy that month. So I think that one set probably, two weeks so i mean okay. that's normally long for me i'm in there every week and i know that's not good for intrusion wise but i just get so antsy wanting to know what's on my damn camera you know i let them tell the story but yeah a couple weeks they're sitting there i got you so at that first you know trail cam pull comes what did you get did you get this buck on him i mean what what's the inventory looking like uh not yet he wasn't on there yet uh the one camera i had over by the water and the soybean field and by those old rubs I really just had a bunch of does, big groups of does, you know, 10, 15 does at a time. So I knew there was a heavy population of them there. Which I, but, it, uh, it, to stop you real quick, which I almost like, yes, I like seeing deer on my farm in the summer, but you, you know, just like everybody else, like that shift happens. And a lot of the bucks that you get, or in my instance, anyway, in the summer, you might never see them again. Like they're going to shift to a different piece of property. I'd rather have them on someone else's property in the summer and then shift to me. That's kind of where yep. my head's at. So like that, that really isn't that bad, you know, bad of a deal in my eyes. Well, and that's what I was thinking too, you know, and like the more does you have, obviously you're going to pull bucks whenever it gets to be that last week of October and first week of November. So for sure, you know, I definitely wasn't, I definitely wasn't mad about it. Also, like, I don't know about you, but I've come to find on the properties I hunt, if I'm getting a lot of does on one camera, I feel like almost the polar opposite camera is where I'm getting bachelor groups, mm -hmm. you know, yep. like they yep. try to keep away from each other or something for sure. So, uh, the other camera that I had on that logging road, I told you about, uh, I pulled that chip and the first couple pictures were little bucks. So I knew there'd probably be other bucks on there and there's a couple little bachelor groups coming through there. Uh, nothing too crazy. Two year olds. And, the very last picture on that chip, it was from July 24th, I want to say it was. And it was just a big mainframe eight. And he wasn't big, big, you know, but he's probably 
a mid one thirties type of eight, you know, good eight. Great buck. Yeah. And, uh, he, I'd say he's a four year old. I definitely don't think he was any older than that. He could have been three. I don't know. I'm leaning more towards four. Yep. And, uh, he was real unique because his G two on his right side had like over a 90 degree bend on it. So, oh, wow. uh, like he stubbed it into a tree or something and, uh, he was complete velvet obviously into July, but right there I deemed him bit G two buck, you know, yep. kind of generic, but, uh, you can, you can only kill what's there. You know what I mean? For like sure. People, everybody wants to hold out for a five-year-old deer, but I'm not too proud right now where I'm at in my hunting career, put that in air quotes, you know, to shoot a good four-year-old, obviously. Yep. Uh, so right there, that became my number one buck. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to put a pattern on the bent G2 buck. And, uh, I just put the chips back in and I'll let them sit a little bit longer and uh he really wasn't too frequent he came around once every week to two weeks so i kind of just figured that i was fringing his core area yep. you know i think i was close to him i was in the ballpark but i also you know it's not season yet i didn't want to get too aggressive walking in anywhere and try to get just get pictures of him you know i think i think it was bill winky on one of his podcasts said something about, you know, would you rather get a picture of the deer? Or would you rather kill the deer? And I think that that says a lot, you know, it's like, I don't want to be too intrusive right off the bat and then comes teasing. He might not even be in here. Sure. So I kind of just left that camera as is. And I didn't get too many pictures of him until uh, mid August. So he was, you know, when you put cameras out in July and everything, you know, for a couple of weeks, he was really sporadic. And then mid to late August, he was like starting to call it home. Is that what is happening? No, he actually just kind of disappeared mid August. Oh, he did. I only had, yeah, I had, it was crazy because I had pictures of him starting into July. It was somewhat often, you know, once a week or so, which isn't too often, but cause summer, you should be able to pattern them somewhat decent. Sure. So that's why yep. I think I was just fringing. And then by mid August, he kind of just disappeared so at that point, I didn't even really have a target book, you know. Which which mid September you guys have a mid September opener, correct? Yep, September fifteenth. So you're thinking like, hey, just hold on for a couple more weeks, <laughs> like, yeah, you know? Yeah, I was like, man, uh, just got to make it through August, and you know, you don't really expect them to get out to their fall range until they shed their velvet, right? And he shouldn't he shouldn't have been near out of velvet yet. I mean, mid August he might be starting if he's starting early, but. Mm-hmm. You know, he, uh, I figured he'd be around there. So I don't know what, ha- I don't know if maybe he caught my scent in there and just didn't like it and used that skittish of a deer yep. and kind of just changed it up right then. But I just could not find that deer for anything. How many family groups of does do you think you had on this farm so far? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh man, a lot. I mean, it definitely holds a lot of deer. D- so, deer numbers are pretty high then. Yeah, not the big buck numbers. I mean, it was all young bucks, yep. and does, and then this bent G two buck was the only known mature deer. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. There was one picture of a 
kind of broken. He looked broken up, but he just had a real short tines. And mm-hmm. I think that deer might've been a three or four year old deer, but that's not something I would have shot. So the only shooter I had right there was that bent G2 buck. Okay. Uh, but I'd say there's, I don't know how many different families. That'd be a hard question to put a number on. Yeah. I uh, didn't mean like, Hey, what's uh, the, the Smith family doing over there? And what's the, right. like, I mean, I'm just, I guess, it was a weird way of me asking, like, how many does did you have feel like that were living on this farm? Like, did you have 20, 30 different does, you thinking, uh, that were calling this place home? Because that's a lot. I mean, uh, that's that's yeah. a good number. Yeah, probably. I mean, on each camera, even with those bachelor groups, I was getting on a camera on the logging road. I had two different family groups of does coming through there with three or four in them. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's eight up there. Then on the other camera, I told you I had pictures of 10, 15 does up once you know just wow coming through there yep. heading out to a field so i'd say 20 does and this is only one side of that 70 acre property so mm-hmm. i mean that's pretty it's pretty many i got you so you know right now as we're talking it's you know mid-august and you're thinking that buck's gonna stick around so like when you pulled cameras again and what happened then and when when did you pull cameras again uh, end of August. And I kind of just had all my hopes up, hoping that bent G2 buck was back, but, uh, scrolling through my pictures and all of a sudden I stumbled across this guy and then completely forgot about bent G2 buck. Oh, that's when he showed up end of August. He he's yep. here now. End of August. Okay. Yep. He, uh, he was coming out of velvet. You could see velvet kind of dangling from him and you could just tell you, he looked like a cow, even compared to that bent G2 buck, his body just dwarfed him. They're standing yep. about the same place. And, uh, I, as soon as I seen him, I thought, you know, that's the oldest deer I think I've ever had a picture of. You could just tell he was giant yeah, deer. Sure. And, uh, I kind of started scrolling through and he was there for a few days, you know? So he was kind of regular, obviously in the morning he was heading, which way the camera was facing. He was heading to the right on the camera, which would be the West side of the property towards the bedding. And then in the evening, he was on the same logging road going to that bean field. So it's super predictable. So mm-hmm. that got my hopes up for sure. Do you think he was obviously the more mature deer? Do you think he kicked that bent 2G buck out? You know what I mean? Like he kind of, uh, maybe he made his transition a little early and then found this your piece and was like, well, this is where I'm going to set up shop. I'm going to kick whoever else out and kind of like forced him out of the area. I never really thought of it like that, but yeah, that's, that's a real good possibility. I mean, he definitely, I, I don't know how temperamental deer get after they get, you know, that level of maturity, but I definitely think that that's a good possibility. He could have just took over that territory. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So he's shown up. I mean, you gotta be giddy now. It's like you, you lose one buck that you think is going to be your number one to get a better buck. It's like going from an NFL football team. That's uh, you know, the lions one ten and one right now. And you go to like the, you know, the, the Cardinals yeah. that are 10 and two. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you get traded. It's like, holy yeah, shit. Shit just got a whole lot better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I screenshotted them immediately. Yeah. I sent them to uh, my fiance. It was my girlfriend at the time. I sent it to her. I was like, oh my God, like, look at this deer. And she's like, what about it? You know, it's like, you know, whatever then. Thanks so for shitting on my parade. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I'm sending it to people who actually, you know, give a shit about it. And they're like, damn, you know, that's a freaking tank. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm committing my season to this deer. You yep. know, it's this deer or bust. Yeah. So he, uh, 
I had pictures of him end of August, and then we got into September 6th, I guess it was. And uh, <clears throat> at that point, I hadn't checked that camera that was over by the water in that bean field in a good while. So I said, well, uh, it was a rainy day. I figured I'd slip in there along that creek and get up in there while it washes my sense way, check that camera, pulled that chip, and this buck, which as soon as I seen him, I know it's kind of generic. I think you had a podcast not long ago where a guy calls his buck trash buck, but that's exactly what I said. And I said, I'm going to call him trash buck because I don't know what else to call him. And he's got trash. Yep. So whenever I pulled this other chip from end of August to, there's a big scrape right in front of that camera, kind of catty corner. And uh, it, I made a little mock scrape back, back up a little bit. I made a little mock scrape, uh, just an itty bitty one, you know, probably dinner plate size. The last time I checked that camera mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't like to do scrapes uh, early. They say it's too early, but I think I do. I've seen, I like, yeah, it. I've seen deer use scrapes all year. Yep. You know, like just to check what other deers in the area. I piss so, in my scrapes too. I do too. Yep. So. That's a, uh, that's how I did it. I made a dinner size scrape. I broke a little branch there and I pissed in it and I kind of let that marinate. But when I came back, it was opened up. You yep. know, so like I definitely knew there's deer on it. Lo and behold, first picture end of August is trash buck. And he was there if not every other day, every day, if not every other day until that day I checked that camera and he was fringing. He was fringing daylight. He was checking on his way back to bed, you know, so okay. he was heading out to that field and then mornings, you know, like they normally do in the morning, they'll check scrapes. He was checking that scrape and then heading back to bed. So at this point, I had him checking that scrape, fringing daylight, and then he didn't pass that camera that was on the north side of the property in the mornings, but I had him coming across that camera in the evenings. I got you. That's, that's what I'm trying to think, Like, or I was going to ask you, what's the ratio of daylight to dark pictures right now? Uh, at this point, I would say it was 50 50, but it was right there. You know, it wasn't like he was completely nocturnal. Sure. The pic- the pictures I was getting of him in the evening at that time were about seven thirty, seven forty. So okay. it's just when you couldn't shoot, you know? Yep. yep. And then, uh, the pictures in the morning, I think I remember what time of day that was then whatever gets daylight, but it was gray light. You know what you'd call gray light whenever you can see, but yeah. you know, you don't know if you'd be able to shoot. So, I mean, he was just right there. It'd just be the fact of intercepting him somewhere in there. I gotcha. So, I mean, you're talking first, first week of September. I mean, you're coming up on the opener. Oh yeah. The what, very next week. What is like those five days leading up to opening day? Cause I have like a five day rule. Like I've seen bucks, Five days, if if they show up five days, if I see them visually, they're going to normally around my area where I'm at, they're, they're going to stay there for the opener if I can get close enough. So, like, right. are you thinking just just stick tight, just stick tight, like give me a couple of days, like you got to be chomping at the yeah. bit, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I uh, when I checked at the sixth at the cameras, I figured, you know, I really don't want to keep coming in here because I know he's here. You know, he's not going to go far. Right. You know, but it's right there. He's shedding his – the next pictures I got of him, he was completely out of velvet also. I should have – so, like, in between August and September 1st somewhere, he completely shed it. Okay. So I was like, man, I really hope he doesn't, you know, move out into his fall range and disappear, you know, because I've seen it too many times. You get close to the opener and – 
bam, they're gone. Yep. So I was just really, really hoping. But at the same time, I was just telling myself I can't be too intrusive. I got them on camera pretty regularly. I'm just, I'm not even going to check this. I'm not going to check any cameras until opener. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a pretty decent game plan for opener, I thought. So, like, the next week, that evening, couldn't hunt that morning. I mean, I don't really hunt mornings a whole lot in the early season. Not saying you can't. I just typically I just typically don't, unless I got a deer in a real good pattern, and I know I could kill him in the morning. And uh, the opener was on a weekday, anyhow. So uh, I got off work that day. I left straight from work to go hunting. And the way I was going to enter the property, we had a south wind, so I was going to hunt the north side of that property. And that was blowing my wind into the neighbor's pasture field back behind me. So I went to that camera on the north side of the property where that was getting the pictures of him. And uh, he was on there the 14th, the evening of the 14th. He came through. It wasn't daylight, but, I mean, it was close, you know. And uh, I didn't want to get too far into where I thought he was bedded, you know, because I knew he wasn't bedded too far from there. You know, it's not like he's uh, he's bedded 600 yards or something and coming right. through on that camera at seven something. I figured he was bedded within 300 yards. And uh, I kind of set up. I was probably 20 yards on the other side towards the, uh, towards the bedding where I figured he was bedding probably 20 yards away from my camera and set up shop right there that night. And I didn't see, I seen a doe. That's all I've seen that night. Is this the camera? I, I might've lost this, but is this the camera that you got the mock scrape on? Nope. This is the other one. This the is other the other one. one on okay. The logging road. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't really want to go and, uh, you know, people traditionally will go hunt bean field and stuff early, but, I thought I had a lot better chance at killing that deer in the evening on that logging road since mm-hmm. that's closer to his bedding, you know. Yep. So that's kind of the that's kind of the route I was going there. Yep. So you saw a doe, and then now, it, I, like I said, if you're anything like me, every set that I don't see him, it's like, okay, who shot him, or you know, did he leave? Like it's just you know, you feel like you're walking on eggshells. So like, what is your mindset now after night one, all this anticipation? And he doesn't show. Uh, I mean, I I wasn't too bummed out yet. It was just opener. And but the thing is, you know, I think there's something to really be said about that first sit. You know, so it's like I've seen, you know, they release charts and stuff where it shows how much your percentages go down at killing a deer after right. the first sit if you don't kill them. So that kind of got me worried right there. But I figured I'd just, you know, uh, keep after him and kind of just inch my way closer where I thought he was bedding in the evening times. And eventually maybe I could intercept him in daylight. That was my game plan from there. Okay. So, you know, going through September, have you had, you know, is he showing up on camera still? And if, you know, are you making, are you getting your eyes on him from the stand or anything like that? Uh, no. Um, well, actually the next day would be September 16th and, I I was planning on hunting. I came home and, you know, don't get dark till late. So I had time to come home and I told Kylie, that's my girlfriend, fiance, whatever, whatever she thinks she is. And uh, <laughs> I told her, I said, I, I might hunt tonight. And she, she didn't have a problem with it. She said, I mean, go if you want. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. Cause it's 45 minutes from where I'm living. Okay. So it's a decent, decent little drive. And I was like, oh, I might just, you know, let it sit but i got to the point i had my pants on and i talked myself out of it oh man yep talked myself out of going september 16th why 
What was the reasoning? I, I didn't really have a good reason. Just lazy that day, you know. It's yep. like, man, do I really want to drive the 45 minutes? And it's a weekday. If I shoot them on a weekday, I'm going to have to, you know, screw with them all for your night and then go to work tomorrow. I was like, yep. I, I'll just I'll just take a day off. I'll go tomorrow. I think we had something planned for that evening. It wasn't a big deal, but I figured I'd do it with her. So uh, the next day was the 18th, which was my dad's birthday. And, uh, I mean, my dad's kind of – my biggest motivator when it comes to hunting, you know, he, uh, got me into it and I thought, you know, how cool would it be to kill this deer on his birthday? You know, I, I know there'd be nothing he'd love more than to come help me drag out a giant old buck like that on his birthday. Hell yeah. So, uh, I decided I was going to go after work, got out there. And, uh, so I actually left my hanging hunt set up in the tree I was in, uh, from the 15th. So I kind of just got down and got out of there that night and didn't pack it back up. Yep. So I was just going to head back to the same tree and uh, maybe depending if he wasn't on the camera, I thought maybe I'd tear it down and move in a little bit further on him and uh, pulled that camera. I get to, you know, September 16th, looking through some pictures. There's some, there's a little buck, there's some does. And then my heart sings. He came no. through at, he came through at 645 <laughs> on September 16th. Oh. It would have been a 15 yard shot. And, uh, uh, yeah. My, I mean, my heart was in my stomach and I screenshot it and I sent it to her. It's like, look what you made me do. <laughs> she's like, I told you you can go. And I was like, that's a giant. Like, I don't know. I, you know, there's not too many people that can say they could have shot uh, that big of a deer, you know, early season, broad daylight, like that 15 yards. You know, I just, at that point I kind of felt defeated one day, two days into the season. Did you want to wrap your tether to your harness around your neck? and just jump? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh my yeah. gosh. That, I'm not going to say that didn't cross my mind. So, okay. Without, without giving up too much, cause I want to wait till the end, paint a 30,000 foot view picture of this deer. Like let just give me a ballpark of like 10 inches of score plus or minus. Just give me something. Um, what are you thinking he is at the time when you get the picture? Okay. So he's non-typical as hell. Yep. And like knowing what he is now and after getting a tape on him, I think that I have some people questioning it, but I never, I've never killed a non-typical before. And I didn't realize how quick inches add up on a non-typical with some palmation. Yep. So, you know? okay. So w- knowing what you know now, you, you've put a tape to him officially, but, but go back to September. What did you think he was? Uh, or gonna be? Did you think? Uh, maybe one forty-five at the most. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Yep. Uh, and that's just because he has a. I thought it was a double main beam at the time, just because it, I didn't have a great picture of him. I had a lot of pictures of him, but they're all sides. You know, he there's yep. a couple of him looking at me, but I couldn't specify like where exactly this tine was coming out. I didn't know if it was coming out of his skull cap as a double main beam, or I didn't know if it was coming off the main beam. Sure. Yep. But I mean, that's a, it looked like a 12, 13 inch abnormal that was coming off him. So I knew that was going to add inches pretty quick, you know? So I yep. thought 40 to 45. somewhere. okay. There. Let's just leave it at that right there. So he comes through on the 16th, you're in your tree stand uh, two days later and you want to jump out and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so definitely wanted to jump out. Yeah. So, I guess keep painting that picture. What else happened in September? So September was kind of slower. And uh, 
I didn't really have that good a look. Actually, I actually had a good buck encounter on September 23rd, I guess it was. Uh, I was hunting, and I was probably, I was pretty close to where I was that day, but I was closer to the neighbor's pasture field. That pasture field is probably 50 yards behind me, whereas before it was probably 90. So uh, I moved a little bit further north from where I was, but also a little bit further west. So I was probably 70 yards from this tree I was hunting in. All right. And uh, sitting there getting closer to evening. Actually, no, that was a morning hunt. My bad. Yeah. Sitting there in the morning. And uh, I kind of had my eyes set on towards where that bean field's at. Maybe I could. I figured, okay, he's not on my camera in the morning. I wonder if he's coming behind the camera, you know, to come back to bed. That was kind of my theory. Yep. You know, because I've seen big deer swerve cameras. And uh, I kind of got the glimpse of a time. And it was a little buck. He came through. And then right behind him was a, a good buck and I think he probably would have went I don't know he's probably would have hit 130 which is good for me I mean I I have a few on the wall I have a 161 typical I shot back in my teens and then I got that's a, a big typical in, man <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of just a one of that was almost before I really got super super into going in and getting them and realized how big that deer was at the time now I hunted a lot but that was also a rifle kill. So it didn't mean as much, but you know, then you get real big into hunting. and you're like, shit, I wish I could shoot a 130, much less a 160. Right. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I mean this deer that was coming in, he would have been my biggest bow buck to date. Probably. He probably could have been over one thirties. He was a typical 10 and I just, I got to looking at him and I really thought he was three, you know, and he, he kind of just looked young young in the face, kind of real, real skinny neck. I mean, yep. it's September. They're all skinny, but sure. Looked long and lengthy. And I just, I knew I had to put my hands in my pockets though. You know, I was like, that's not a deer I want to shoot. I want to <laughs> shoot. I want to shoot trash buck, you know? And, uh, I pulled my phone out and tried to get a video of him. I didn't get too good of a video. You could see one side, but, uh, other than that, the rest of September was kind of a slower month for me towards the end of the month. I sat by that pond. I told you about in the middle of the property and, uh, I seen, I had a hunt where I seen like eight different bucks. I mean, they're all two years old and under, but I mean, they were, they were in there, you know? And, yeah. Uh, were you still the, frequently getting pictures of him on camera though? Uh, yeah, but he was moving further into the dark. So like okay. he was still checking, he was checking that scrape pretty religiously. I had him on camera. I think it was like the 25th on both cameras he was on. And then, uh, towards the end of September, he was still on both of them. So, I mean, he was regular. Gotcha. It's just he was not in daylight at this point. He was an hour before dark and an hour, you know, uh, or hour after dark, hour before daylight on both of them. So, Okay, when did that start changing? Like, when did – I guess, did you ever have an encounter with him before you ended up killing him? Nope. Okay, so when did the the picture start changing – or did they, I guess, did he start getting closer to daylight? Well, here's the kicker with it. Like, so I started really, really studying on X and trying to just, you know, I wanted to hunt them where it made sense. And I knew getting into October, it's time for me to start getting a little bit more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so <clears throat> I kind of missed an important detail of the story. I figured out, I had a buddy tell me about weather underground, you know, and I just always, uh, I just typed in the notes on my phone what the wind was on the day he moved. 
Yep. So I kind of had a pattern of any kind of east wind. And it was religious too, man. Like it was a, he, I didn't, I had one picture of him on a different wind and it was a straight south wind, but the rest of them were just east wind. So that told me a lot right there, you know? So I kind of knew about where he was bedded on east wind. I love that. That is my favorite part about whitetail hunting is try to figure out these little nuances about that deer. I, that, that little tidbit is huge right there. So, oh my God. I love they, that. Uh, you know, and an east wind's kind of a rare wind. Very rare. We had a lot this this fall, though. Like we yeah, had a we lot did. of. It was like kind of abnormal to have a lot of those east winds. But go ahead. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, you're fine. So, uh, with that information, I I just started you know checking weather and seeing what wind directions were in every single east wind I had. I was gonna go to because I was still getting pictures of this deer, you know, coming through that camera on that logging road on the east wind. And I told myself, you know, as long as I can hunt smart, hunt the wind, I can hunt him on every single east wind I get. If I, you know, access the right way, if I'm quiet, I'm just going to try to hunt my way 30, 40 yards closer to where I think he's at every single time, you know, and try to just eventually catch him in daylight. And uh, it was October 3rd. This is actually the last game camera picture I got of this deer. And he was somewhat early. I think he was probably 45 minutes after dark or something. But uh, so I got that picture of him and I said, okay, he's not too far. He's not too far to daylight. Maybe I should just take a plunge in there. I'm going to go another a hundred yards in the direction he came from on my next East wind. And that's where I'm going to set up. And uh, there's a lot, whenever I, the next East wind, I think it was October 10th, I believe. I got in there and started kind of working my way in and I like to scout my way into places too, you know, like maybe there's obvious signs of a reason that he would stop or how he'd travel. And there's a lot of deadfalls along the North side of that property. And the way this property lays out, uh, there's probably 50 yards of like mature timber along the whole top side of the North. And, they're, the rest of it's so thick in the middle, so I almost felt like they would use that mature timber right along the edge of that thick brush, you know, to travel. Because yep. there's a little ditch, like a ravine that went through there also. Mm-hmm. So uh, just judging by past hunts, all the other deer I've seen were using, you know, these ditches in some way. And I haven't really brought them up too much because they're not hugely relevant. It's not like they're a huge, deep ditch. It's like a little rain drainage ditch, you know, but... Those deer liked them for some reason. They traveled right alongside them. Yep. So uh, I found a fallen down tree uh, probably 50 yards off this real thick brush. So I decided I'd set up in there and try to intercept them coming off. And at this point, I kind of concluded he was bedded on the neighbors because the neighbors was just extremely thick. Like I told you earlier, it was grown up hayfield. Uh, so I set in this deadfall. And I wasn't there probably a half hour, and I had a doe come through. The wind was at my face. It was perfect setup. I had a doe come through. A little bit later, a little buck came through, and I was like, okay, you know, we're getting bigger. And uh, before I knew it, right in front of me, I don't know where he came from, there's a three-year-old. And, I I mean, I didn't tell it right off the bat. I wasn't like, oh, that's a three-year-old. But there's just a buck right in front of me, a pretty decent buck, 30 yards out in front of me. And – uh I kind of just froze, you know, I could tell as soon as I looked at him, it wasn't the deer I wanted to kill, but you know, I, 
I've never really ground hunted that much and I don't know why I thought it'd be a good idea instead of getting up in a tree this time, you know, but I'm on the ground with a deadfall thinking I'm pretty camo, but I'd kind of notice he's sniffing right where I walked in. Mm-hmm. So he's got my ground scent. He's looking around. You could tell he's concerned. He definitely didn't have my wind, but he knew something was wrong. And, uh, he started looking up in the trees, like almost directly at me and sort of walking right at me. I mean, directly at me. He came into 11 yards and we were just having a staring contest and <laughs> he, uh, he started stomping at me. He never blew, but he started stomping at me and he could definitely tell, you know, something was wrong, but yep. he couldn't pick me out in that deadfall. And out of the corner of my eye coming from behind him, I seen a bigger buck. I could tell body wise he was bigger. And when he turned his head, I looked over, it's bent G2. Oh, no kidding. Yep. And I haven't had that deer on camera, you know, since mid-August. I was like, where did you come from? Yeah. You know, so that was insane to have him, you know, come. Did you ever have the thought, thought of like, okay, you coming here, I'll kill you. Or are you still like trash buck? Well, I mean, I thought I was like trash buck until he was coming in and going to pass 20 yards from me, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I seen him and he was coming in. That other buck walked away. It's picture perfect. This buck, he ain't even looking in my direction. You know, I kind of figured he would be worried about what he's looking at, but he didn't have a care in the world. Mm -hmm. And he kind of started passing me up, and then I got the back view of him. You know, they always look bigger walking away. Oh, yeah. I was like, what am I doing? Screwed up. I I still have rifle season. I need to kill this deer. (laughs) So I got got my bow up on impulse. And my rule of thumb is if I have a doubt about if I want to kill this deer or not, I normally don't. Yep. You know, but this kind of, this was almost one of those deals. You know, I got a bow in hand. He's 20 yards. I'm kind of having a rougher season already. So I draw back on him and uh, he turns 25 yards completely broadside. It's almost like automatic. You know, my pen sinks in right Mm -hmm. there behind his shoulder. I'm squeezing off the trigger and my bow goes off. All I hear is the loudest snap and my arrow sticks in the ground about 20 yards in front of me. Really? And I look, yep, and there's there's a piece of that deadfall about eight foot in front of me probably, a limb, and I hit that limb, never seen oh. it. Yeah, so that deflected my arrow. He didn't know what happened. He kind of just ran, trotted off a little bit, looked back in that direction, kept on. <clears throat> so I was kind of sick. You know, it's been a long time since I missed a beer, man. Like back when I was 16, I missed one probably – mid 140s but since then i've been pretty pretty good you know only yep. wounded one yep. uh ended up finding him later but so right then i i just decided i was going to give that whole area a break you mm-hmm. know it's like okay i'm i've been hunting hard mid-september i'm into the first 10 days of october i'm just going to give it a break for a little bit i'm going to come back that last week of october on east wind and i'm i told myself i'm just going to wait for a good day, you know, somewhere in that last 10 days of October, I'm going to wait for a good cold front, uh, and the East wind, all the factors lining up. If I get that, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get that, that's when I'm going to make my move. I'm going to go balls deep. I'm going to scout my way in. I'm going to find where I think he's at and I'm going to hunt him there. Okay. So in that break, I can't really keep from hunting. I went to the opposite side of the property <laughs> Yeah, I took a break from him, not from hunting altogether. So I went to the opposite side of the property. On uh, October 21st, I ended up killing a doe, which felt good. You know, it's not like I've never killed Confidence builder. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a perfect shot, 25 yards, top of heart, both lungs, and she didn't go very far. So that was a good confidence booster. Had some meat in the freezer. Uh, 
So October 25th, I actually had to go to Iowa for work. So I was in Iowa the 25th, the 26th. I got home 27th and uh, I didn't get to hunt that night because I got home pretty late. Okay. But the next day was a Thursday, October 28th. And I, whenever I got home from Iowa, I was kind of looking at the weather and I was like, man, tomorrow is showing south, southeast wind and there's about a 10 degree temperature drop off. And uh, it looked like it was going to rain all day, you know? So I was like, man, I don't, I all hunt in the rain, but if it's going to be heavy rain, I'm just not going to enjoy it. Yep. So, uh, it was that next day at work, October 28th. And, uh, we had a trunk or treat that night and I knew I was supposed to be at that, but kind of pulled up the map and it was an east Southeast wind and, uh, the rain was going to die off around four o'clock and there's a 10 degree temperature drop. That's and I was like, perfect. Yeah, October 28th. I mean, it's just reading straight. I just had that feeling, you know, you're like, man, like if it's going to happen before shit goes haywire during the rut, this is my time. Like I'm going to have to do it. So I text her. I was like, listen, like I know we got this trunk or treat, but trash butt. And she's like, you know, I've heard about him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can hunt if you want. And I was like, listen, like you got to let me do this. So she's like, yeah, that's fine. I get out to the property. Uh, and I just had that feeling the whole way there, man. You know, it's just like, it's tonight or bust. Yeah. I told I told myself I'm gonna scout my way in. You know I'm gonna look for some good. You know scrapes are real hot right now. I said I'm gonna go in until I find some good scrapes, maybe a cluster of scrapes. You know in an area of rubs, and uh, just scout my way in to where I haven't been before. And you know, as a deer hunter, you kind of rely on your experience to know, you know, where you need to be your gut instinct. Right. Yep. So. I, uh, I went up to the north side of that property and I had to make a big loop around because how the wind was blowing. I didn't want my wind blowing to him. So I had to enter on the creek on the very east side, go across the whole north side so he wouldn't be able to win me. <coughs> and uh, I got to the last place I hunted there where I missed that G2 buck. And uh, I kind of just started scouting my way in. I probably went another 180 yards. I got to the neighbor's fence line and uh, – I'm definitely not a property hopper, but kind of just eyeballing over there to see if I could see any obvious sign. And there was, man. I mean, there was rubs, scrapes, everything. So I, uh, I kind of walked down their fence line, <clears throat> down the fence line of both properties. And, uh, I was staying about 15 yards on our side. And, uh, there's a big deep ditch that I found that runs from the neighbor's property over into ours. <clears throat> so I followed that ditch deeper into, the side of the property I'm hunting. I call it ours. It's not mine and my buddies. Yep. So I'm probably 60 yards off their property line right now. And I figured, you know, if this deer is betting on the neighbors where I think he's betting, where it makes sense, I feel like he's going to use this ditch <clears throat> just because all the deer that I've seen somehow use a ditch, you know, and there's a lot of trails there that intersected. I could see two scrapes from my stand, rubs, everything. And uh, by this point, I kind of took longer to get in there than I thought, you know, one of those deals where you're like, I'm going to get right in set up. Well, I couldn't find a tree I wanted for shit. And, uh, I eventually found this real skinny tree that wasn't going to break up my outline at all. And like a dummy, I hung my sticks on the side of the tree facing to where the deer I think are going to come from. Like, I don't know if it's just me being nitpicky, but if I'm going to hang a set, I always like my sticks to be on the opposite side of the tree is where I think the deer I do are the same thing. From. Yep. I do the same thing. Uh, it's probably a superstitious thing, but I just feel like you want to give them less to pick out for sure. Yep. 
So I don't even think about it. I kind of just hang my stand. <clears throat> I'm in a rush to get up in this tree. I don't get set up. So it gets dark at this, like, what time does it get dark here? Probably, man. 7.30? Is that what it was? Because it was before time change still. Yeah, probably Or was, was it later in that? It's probably later in that. I think it was probably 6.45 to 7 whenever it got dark at this point. Okay. So I, I didn't get to this tree, to the base of this tree, till 5.15. Oh, wow. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't have much time to hunt, man. I just need to get up here. And I really only hunt eight to 10 foot. You know, it sounds low, but I've always had luck hunting, especially hanging hunting. I don't want to be 30 foot. I'm a land mammal. You know, I don't want to be 30 foot in a tree. But uh, I get set up and uh, I still just had that feeling like it felt good. And I don't know, 15, 20 minutes came by. And right down that ditch where I thought those deer would come from, here comes two does. And it's getting to be about that time, you know, end of October, early November. I was like, okay, that's a Adult good Adult does? Yep. Okay. All of them. Yep. So they go in this thicket that's off kind of catty corner behind me. They go off in there. And uh, I just had a feeling that I don't need to put my bow down. So I had it on my lap the whole time, you know, because I kind of figured, you know, <clears throat> if he shows up, he's going to be right here because I only had – 30 yards of visibility in front of me, probably 10 yards of visibility to my right and probably 40 yards to my left and nothing behind me. So uh, there, I couldn't see a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I kept my bow on my lap and a little bit later, I'd say 15, 20 minutes later, by this time it's probably five forty-five, So it's getting later, probably 45 minutes, hour before dark. Those two does just bust ass out of the thicket behind me, just running. I don't know what was chasing them, but you could tell they're in a hurry. And I thought, man, that might be a buck back there, you know, pushing them out. So uh, if I do call, I hardly ever call, but I normally have luck end of October. I feel like they're more call call responsive. Yeah. So I grabbed my grunt and I kind of did a real deep, you know, almost like a roar, just one, you know, steady grunt. And there's definitely something big in that thicket behind me and he started circling downwind and that almost made me, you know, guarantee that was a buck down there. And he so got you couldn't tell if he, you could just hear a deer walking. Yep. I could just hear a deer walking. Okay. He was kind of circling downwind of me and, uh, I kind of stopped hearing anything. So I almost, it was probably another 10 minutes went by. I kind of gave up on that and then figured, you know, he's going to come in behind me or downwind to me. So I was kind of keeping an eye out, but I didn't hear him anymore. I kind of just figured at that point he caught my wind and just went on, mm-hmm. just didn't blow or anything. Yep. You know, normally, I mean, I don't know about you, but from my experience, I don't really have bucks blow, uh, not big bucks. They kind of just shouldn't get. Yeah. I, I you know, I've, I, th- I think I'm kind of like 50, 50 on that. Like I've had bucks blow, but a lot of times it, it does seem like a lot of times deer just like the bigger deer, just get the hell out of there, you know? Right. Yep. So, uh, I kind of gave up on him and I'm looking ahead of me at that ditch and where I can see is probably 30 yards off the neighbor's property, but I can't even, I can't see their property line. It's so thick, but I figure those deers are, are coming through that ditch off their property. And, uh, I look out in front of me and out of nowhere, there's a basket rack eight and he's directly in front of me. And, uh, he's probably, I don't know what he is, 25 yards from me. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of looking around, acting kind of concerned. And he started stomping, looking around. And I don't know if maybe my wind was swirling off the thick stuff behind me or, and like kind of deflecting straight in front of me. You know, I don't really know 
how my thermals were acting there. It was kind of an iffy day. I felt like the wind was swirling. I was real nervous in there, honestly. But uh, he just, I could tell he was concerned. He turned around, went right back where he came from. And I was like, you know, that's not a good sign. If he is going to come out, he just seen that buck get out right. of here in this other. So uh, not too long after that, five minutes maybe, I see another buck heading almost the same path that buck had to head. I seen him before I seen that other one, you know, he was further off, like behind out of the coming out of this thicket along that ditch. And, uh, he was just, he's a real big four, you know, big four corn. And, uh, he was sitting there looking around and he knew something was up too. And I don't know if he was just nervous because the other bucks around him or if he smelt me or what, but he was directly, you know, he shouldn't have smelled me at all. He was upwind of me. And he kind of walked and as he stepped, I seen something behind him and I looked and I just seen a split G2 and I knew for a fact it was (laughs) trash buck because he's the only one. So he was coming in right behind this fork horn. How far is he? When I could see him, he was only 35 yards. Holy shit. So he's top pin range damn near. Uh, Oh yeah. And uh, I mean, this ditch is probably 20 yards to my left and where they're coming out is probably i don't know 40 yards in front of me and it's just real thick stuff and you can't really see anything until they're 35 30 yards it's just that thick and uh he put his head down his left antler you could it's just a big jumbled up mess and i seen that from the top side view and seen the palmation on his right antler and i mean my heart was just pounding <laughs> you know a million miles a minute I, it was just it was just almost surreal man you know i love it after hunting a deer that hard and not having any encounters with them. Cause I've hunted deer before and seen them multiple times. I could not get in front of this deer for anything. Dude, now, it amplifies though too, because th- like you said, this could be the biggest, your biggest bobock, you know, right, you got so right. emotionally attached to it. It's like, it's, it just makes the stakes go any higher, even higher. I, I totally get it. Right. So he, uh, he's kind of walking straight out of beeline towards me, but there's a big thicket of brush right in front of me, probably 20 yards. And he stops behind that. <laughs> and, uh, I see him, you know, kind of just scanning, just doing what big bucks do, you know, scanning back and forth. Yep. And you could tell how alert he was ears twitching. He, uh, didn't let his guard down for a second. And I swear he locked eyes on my ladder. Just like I said, I didn't want <laughs> to happen. And I watched his eyes follow straight up and just, look in my soul dude and i, I had like, it with my deer in ohio this year <laughs> oh my god he was looking through me like he knew yep he knew my freaking name he knew my social security number like he had me freaking red <laughs> i was like ah, oh, you know like i'm fucked like yep. he's gone yep. you know so he kind of turns looks back over his shoulder and he's in such thick stuff when he turns and i can't see any like white on his face or his ears i can't see him yep so <clears throat> he was looking at me then he turned He'd look at me, he'd turn. About that time, a doe must have got down the wind of me. She starts blowing. You know, uh, just, I was like, oh, you know, like if I did have any chance, it's over. Yep. So I figured, that I was just expecting him to bust ass. It's getting pretty dark at this point, man. Like it's, you might have five minutes left if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so. She just keeps blowing, keeps blowing probably 10 times. Then I hear her trot off. I don't know how close she was, but I was like, 
you little bitch you know like i was just so <laughs> upset i was like i finally seen this deer and i was just praying you know i was getting emotional almost i mean i just was praying over and over like i've hunted this deer so freaking hard obsessed over him i've talked to her so much about him i've talked to my dad my buddy's like i want to kill this deer i miss the other deer and this is yep. what it's for like please yep. give me a chance you know and uh all of a sudden i see white again in that thick and here he comes down that ditch 20 yards to my left uh. and there's absolutely no shots in that ditch man it's just so thick and i had my bow up on my knee this whole time that he was in there but <clears throat> my arm was just dead you know from nerves and just holding the bow I, uh, I was just looking for a hole to shoot him in, and there was nothing. So I leaned as far forward in my stand as I possibly could, and I found this hole. I mean, I don't – probably about as big as you can make with a circle with your arms, you know. Yep. Not very big at all. <clears throat> and uh, I thought, you know, it's now or never. Like, he's going to have to – I'm going to have to stop him in this hole if I'm going to shoot him. You know, 20 yards, I definitely don't condone brushy shots, but <laughs> I got a hole. It's the biggest buck of my life. Uh 20 yards that big of a hole i'm i'm gonna try to make it work so as soon as his chest hit that hole you know man man i tried to stop him and instead of taking one step and stopping perfectly in the hole he takes two steps oh, and yeah. his shoulder his shoulder is covered up by a big fat tree and i can see his vitals pretty good but it's almost like i'd have a better shot at mid body obviously but you don't want to shoot there i'm gonna have to tuck it in by this tree if i'm gonna kill this deer mm -hmm. so i uh you know, I put my pin on and it's to the point my pin disappears. Then I could see the deer. I see the deer. My pin disappears. It was getting sketchy, you know? So I kind of just, and my heart was pounding, you know, your vision goes blurry. I don't know if you've ever had buck fever that bad. Oh but yeah, was, man. I was losing my freaking mind. You know, I thought I was a better hunter than that, but that's probably something that's never going to go away. He had me mind blown. And, uh, I finally kind of calmed down. I felt like I settled my pin good, squeeze the shot off. And I just, I hear it. It sounds good. You know, just that don't, you know, you know, the sound when you air comes out of them uh, kind of thing. Yep, yep. 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 And, uh, I see my arrow. I don't have nocturnals or anything. I did. I just shot regular knocks this year, but I see where I hit him. I hit him dead mid body. If you could take a grid chart, I mean, and find mid body, that's exactly where I hit that. Deer. Okay. Not terrible and, at all. <clears throat> yep. So he, uh, he mule kicks and he takes off like a bat out of hell. And I watch him the, probably run, I don't know how far I could see him, run 60 yards and disappear into that thicket where those does ran out of earlier. So, uh, you know, I'm losing my mind at this point, and I was just overcome with emotions, you know, how it is whenever you finally, you know, get an arrow in something. It was just so surreal. Uh, first thing I thought of is I need to call her and tell her because she uh, she was hard on me sometimes, but she definitely supported, you know, me wanting to oh, chase for sure. knew how bad I wanted to kill him. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm about teary eyed at this point, you know, I call her and she's like, uh, Hey, what's wrong? And I was like, you know, I just choked up. I was like, I think I got him. And she was like the one I was like, yeah, I think I just shot trash, but I mean, I know I shot him, but I think, I think I killed him. You know, it looked a little back and she just said, you know, keep me posted. And then I just, I just want to talk to my dad. So I, uh, if I got down to the base of the tree, I tried to call him and, uh, my mom answered and she's the biggest animal lover ever. You know, she doesn't, <laughs> yep. she doesn't support any kind of hunting or anything like that, but she supports me and what I love, you know? Yep. So like they, they both knew I was chasing that deer. My dad was working, so I couldn't get a hold of him and I just couldn't hold it. I mean, I just started, I kind of started crying. I was like, that's awesome. I want to, I was like, I want to talk to dad. Like I got him, you know, cause it meant a lot to my dad too. 
you know, he taught me everything I knew about it. He knew how hard I'd hunted this deer and tracking a deer down and finding him wasn't a thing, you know, back when he was hunting. I mean, it was somewhere, but with right. his group, it wasn't, it right. was, you know, crack some beers and go shoot something with a rifle. But so, uh, at that point I was like, okay, it's been 45 minutes since I'm shot. I'm going to go look for, go look for some blood. Went over there, no blood, uh, where I shot him. I went about 10 yards and I wasn't just trying to go straight after and I knew the shot was back, but I just wanted to see evidence of blood. And I found some real dark blood looked like liver blood. Yep. And right there I was like, man, I kind of want, I kind of want to get a dog lined up just in case, you know what I mean? Like I, I just don't want to lose this deer. So yep. I called a guy with a dog and he told me he was like back out, which I was going to do anyhow, you know, but the coyotes on this property is so damn thick. Cause it's like rabbit hunting freaking country, you know, it's so thick and, I was just so nervous, but backed out of there. So on the phone with my dad and her the whole way home and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't sleep a bit that night, you know, just wondering, you know, is he dead? Hopefully coyotes didn't get to him. Cause you know, gut shots, a fatal shot. I knew that, but I didn't know if I caught liver too, maybe back of lungs, maybe it was better than I mm-hmm. thought. But, uh, my dad said, Hey, you know, why don't you pick me up in the morning? We'll go out there together. Well, needless to say dad overslept. So he didn't get to meet me. So, uh, yeah, I went out there by myself and, uh, you know, just so emotional on the way there, you know, I wasn't crying or anything, but just heart pounding. I just wanted this deer so bad. You know, I didn't want it to be a got away story after all the work I put into him. You know, I care about, I care about the animal, you know, I definitely yeah. didn't want to hurt him, and I just wanted to find him so bad. So I got back to where I'd last seen the blood and, uh, you can kind of tell along that ditch where it funnels. I figured, you know, he ran along that ditch and I, I could only watch him for about 60 yards from when I shot him. So I went along that ditch and I probably walked another 40 yards and I seen, I just seen a white belly. No way. Yeah. I just seen a white belly and you know, my arms and everything just went numb. I was like, he's right there. You know, like he, he didn't go anywhere. He was 80 yards from where I shot him. He just did a death run and died right there. Coyotes and, uh, didn't get to him or anything? Well, it also rained that night, so I didn't even have any blood to come back to, and I knew that, you know, so I knew yep. it was going to be a nerve-wracking thing. And uh, <clears throat> I just I started slowly walking up to him, and I uh, first thing I did was call my dad, and he answered, and I said, I see him, like, I got him. He, he was just beating himself up because he didn't get up, you know, and mm-hmm. come get him with me to share the moment. But I uh, I walked up to him, and, I mean, he was everything I thought he was, and, then some, you know, just that moment when you finally get your hands on their antlers, you know, after hunting them so hard. And I just, you know, I was teary eyed. I called my oldest sister. She's big into hunting and she knows how much it meant to me. And, you know, she was so pumped for me. And, uh, I was, I tried to drag him, you know, and that just wasn't going to work. He was absolutely <laughs> giant. Uh, I've never, I've never got to see in person a deer with that big of a body. You know, he almost had no neck. That's crazy, dude. That's awesome. Like, you know, to be able to, like you said, like track down a buck that, you know, is that the first one that you've had like history with and like, like set your goal or set your sights on him and like got it done? Yes and no. I had one back in 2018. He was a five, five and a half year old deer when I shot him. He's, he's goofy looking. He only scores like 120, but he's 22 inches wide. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, uh, I killed him and I kind of seen him from scouting a field a couple of times, but nothing like this, you know, yep. not, a, not a chess match with a big buck. And, uh, 
yeah, so my dad, he met me, he met me up at a gas station that was pretty close to there. And my brother-in-law did too. He was off work and we went in there and just, you know, just the look on my dad's face whenever he got to him too, you know, you could just tell that he was mind blown. And it was cool to share that moment with them two guys, you know, cause Hell my yeah, brother, man. he's, yeah, he's been in my life for the last 10 years too. He's big into hunting. So that was really cool to see my dad get his hands on him and we finally got him out of there after a hell of a freaking pool and I had to go back to work. So they transported them back to the house and gutted them for me until I could get off work and go really check them out. But that's yeah. awesome. So coyotes didn't get into him then. That's no, what you're saying. No. Okay, cool. Completely untouched. That's awesome. So what was he? You put a tape on him. What is he? Um, I'm obviously no professional score, yep. but I ended up coming up with my original, Score was 165, but I actually took mass measurement wrong, and I found that out. So I came up with 161 and or 160 and five eighths. Dude, what a toad! What a toad! Yeah. Congratulations, uh, man. That's a hammer. Yeah, thanks, man. He uh, it's crazy because he's only 14 and an eighth wide. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He just, I mean, his bases aren't super super thick. He's got a six and a half inch base on the one side. And I think it's a five and a half on the other, which is good. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. But he, uh, between his palmation and stuff on that crazy side and his good side, he ends up having 49 inches of mass. Whereas your <sighs> average deer has 28 to 30, you know? Yep. So, uh, so he's got a, he probably has a hundred inch frame and then you add 49 inches of mass and then a 14 inch spread, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's where his score comes from. So he's just a crazy, old looking deer i had taxidermist cut his teeth out because i you can only pretend like you know a deer's age so much i just knew yep. he was older than five so sent his teeth off and got those results back at a seven and a half year old buck and that uh that's just that's you know, priceless to me and that just means the world to me that i found that big of a deer and hunted wow. them down you know they they say the bigger older bucks almost become easier to kill in their older age but at the same time it's like it's still awesome to be able to say, you know, I have this non-typical, you know, 160-inch deer. And it looks That's like he's awesome. going downhill because yep. his messed up side actually mimics the other if you really get to looking at it. I okay. think he probably I think he probably would have been a bigger deer the previous year, you know, just kind of on the downhill spiral. How many scoreable did he have? He has 13 scoreable, uh, 31 inches of abnormal. Yep. Dude, he is a lot like my Iowa deer, but you know, as far as so my Iowa deer, he was he was uh like fifteen I can't remember I don't have the score sheet with me. Fifteen and some inside, scored one eighty six, he had seventeen scorable, his bases were his bases were six and a half around, but his mass that he carried on his beams were all over four inches. Like, uh, he just was massive, but he was, like, narrow. You know, and he had 17 scoreable and scored 186. But, like, that – what you're describing is, like – and my deer was 7.5. <laughs> that's what's right. crazy to me. That's hey, awesome. That's an awesome video, by the way. I've, I've watched it. Appreciate that, yeah. Listen to all your podcasts about him and all three of the bucks you shot. Definitely yeah. awesome. Yeah, dude, that's freaking awesome. Congratulations to you, dude. That's, that's freaking cool. I'm glad you reached out to me and wanted to tell the story because – I'm like, I had chills when you're like, when you said you were getting emotional, I get emotional, you know, there's a couple of deer I've killed that I've cried in the stand about, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's I mean, so cool. People, 
it's more than just hunting to a lot of us, you know, yeah. it's more of a way of life. And it's hard to sit there and explain to somebody, yeah, I cried when I shot that deer, but it's like, you put so much into this and it's when it's truly your life and your number one passion, you know, it, it comes out when, especially when you share it with family, hundred you know, percent, man, my dad being taking me hunting with them since I was five, six, getting me into it. And now me kind of taking the ropes with it, getting to share it with him and yep. getting to make that call and tell him, my God, it's just, means the world to me you know badass man well hey i greatly appreciate you coming out and doing this i'm gonna i'm gonna cut you loose here uh thank you again man and what a hell of a buck congratulations yeah man thanks uh thanks for having me on it was awesome yeah no problem and there you have it thank you brendan for coming on dude i really appreciate that thank you for reaching out to me and wanting to come on actually um it was really cool so thank you everybody out there for listening Hopefully everybody has a great Christmas. Uh, We'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. And don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review. Thank you guys very much.